0: Hey guys, you're about to listen to an amazing episode with my brother, court. Me and court met on LinkedIn. We, uh, tossed about, you know, tossed around a few things around entrepreneurship, you know, uh, brand building, leadership, and and inevitably, I found out that Court has a podcast. and So he invited me onto the podcast. I'm definitely going to invite him onto my podcast. And we just started to go deep around all things entrepreneurship, all things leadership, all things employee experience. And in this episode, guys, he really, really, really pushed me to explain the business model of the E1B2 Collective. He really, really, really pushed me to explain my perspectives of employee experience, what founders should be thinking about, how to tangibly put things in place, what employees should be thinking about. There's a lot of great stuff in this episode, guys. I know for a fact it's one of my sharpest, it's one of my best, it's one of my most in-depth interviews, and I'm just so thankful for you guys to listen to it. So again, uh, thank you to Court, thank you to all of you downloaders and subscribers and people that are supporting me so much. Thank you so much for this. I just wanted to kind of give you guys a behind the scenes of some of the podcasts that I've been doing as of late uh, on other people's platforms. So here it is. Enjoy this episode. Uh, and if I can find the, uh, the inevitable download uh, of the episode, once he puts it out live, I will get that link and put it, plug it in the show notes uh, a few weeks from now. So again, I am so thankful. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll talk soon. Not typical, in his own words, not typical y'all, but his focus and dedication to putting employees first
1: drives him to help forever change the world of work. AJ is currently working on a brand and I quote here that brand is called the E1B2 Collective. End quote, which we're going to learn more about here together. But just to give you a little snapshot is a collection of brands and practitioners designed to make substantial impacts upon the employee experience within the world of startups and small brands specifically. So there's a little primer I'm a man, AJ. Uh, we've kind of been friends here dating back, I don't know, three, four months we first connected, uh, this summer and here we got him today as your featured guest on the show there's absolutely nobody else we'd want to share this time with so aj my man it's a joy to feature you here together on the show i'm excited about what you can share with the listeners and how they might grow and be inspired listening to your story so thanks for checking in my man and just having this conversation with me
0: that was an amazing intro brother i love the I i love the ad that you did i'm sure that brand will be uh very happy about that, and I love I the intro. I love your enthusiasm, and uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, man. I'm freaking fired up, dude. I absolutely love this stuff, and let me tell you why. It's because it's an opportunity for me to learn, man. I mean, when I started this show, um, it's actually a funny story. I'm not going to wear you out about the whole start of it, but it was not intentional. I just started the show because someone said, hey, think you'd be good at it, so I ran with it. I had no idea how much I'd learn from folks like you that come on here. So I'm fired up, man. As we settle in here together today, where I want to begin, just because I'm that kind of guy, uh, I want to build some intimacy between me and you, and specifically the audience. I just read a great bio about some of your focus professionally, but I want to take it back, man, to childhood. I think there's so much that happens in, in, in the home that we all grow up in that impacts our developmental experience. And so would you mind sharing with us, AJ? Anything about your childhood that you'd like to highlight, you know, what was it like growing up? Where the heck did you grow up? Where are you from? Where are you living now? And maybe consider throwing there. Who may have been some of your role models or people you look to imitate as you began to grow as a young man?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I'll get very intimate. I've actually been thinking a lot about it. Um, So originally, I grew up in a, uh, a place called Baltimore. You guys have heard of it potentially, probably. Um, home of the Baltimore Ravens. Home of the future. Um, 20, what would that be? 2021 Super Bowl champs? 2020 Super Bowl champs? 2021. Hey, not
1: so fast. Not so fast, big dog. But right yes. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I love Lamar Jackson. He's a freaking beast. Oh. He had a great season last year. But, heck, man, we might just talk football this whole daggone show. But, uh, yeah, man, Baltimore from... Love it.
0: Continue, man. Got it. And we got J.K. Dobbins in there. I don't know how much you know about Ohio State, so we got J.K. Dobbins in there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, you know, home of uh, Baltimore. That's where I, I grew up. Uh, not a not a great place, like a lot of people know about that. Pretty pretty rough area, but uh, it, it really shaped uh, a lot of my perspectives on life, and it really allowed me to uh, to endure a lot of uh, psychological pain, if you will. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I think. You know, a lot of us in life go through a lot of things, and you know, my upbringing, being in a rough environment, being dealing with a lot of uh, poverty, dealing with a lot of complexities, uh, really allowed me to, again, just have a very different perspective on life. Have a very pr- different perspective on what it means to be to be stable, what it feels like to be stable, what it doesn't feel like to be stable, what um, what uh, what it looks like to. To dream and, and aspire to be more and to to try to fight your way out of an uh, out of an environment. You know, I didn't grow up seeing too many people that are doing what I'm doing today. I, I didn't grow up seeing too many people that were incredibly accomplished. And so, um, for a while there, was it was really tough to to see past the weeds and 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 the, and the clouds, if you will. And I don't want to get too dark, but that's just the reality. Um, but uh, inevitably, man, I um, I grew up out of that situation and, and, and football kind of took me to a, another place in life and, and allowed me to meet new people and allowed me to do interesting things. Um, but but growing up, though, you know, my mentor was my mother. I, I say that um, I say that proudly, you know, her work ethic, her her ability to work two, three, four jobs to put me into camps. You know, I remember growing up being in, involved in camps that were three, 000, four thousand dollars for two weeks. And having no idea how she was able to pull it off and wondering why, you know, she was working a job that allowed that that forced her to wake up at 5 a.m. And then she would get a couple hours of sleep and then work uh, uh, an evening shift and then overnight work a shift every other week and things of that nature. And so um, she worked very hard to to put me in different environments to meet all different types of people, which I'm very blessed. And then, you know, just just how much she allowed me to have autonomy. You know, a lot of people. You know, I, I, I've never cursed at my mother. I've never disrespected my mother at a very uh, adamant and, 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 and an obvious way. But some would think that my approach, my relationship with my mother is a little bit borderline uh, disrespectful, but I don't think so. And why am I saying all these things? I'm saying these things because my mother allowed me to have autonomy the amount of moments where she allowed me to question different things that I was doing, question different decisions she was making as a parent in a respectful way, uh, allowed me to have very, you know, pleasant conversations, debates, allowed me to start to think and strategize on my own as a young child growing up. And And I thank her so much for that. And she told me just about six weeks ago that it was actually strategic of why she did that. She grew up in a very militant, um, you know, dictatorship type of environment with with her grandfather raising her and things of that nature. And she said she wanted to raise a child that thought on their own, that was quick on their feet, that could make decisions that 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 was able to really um, produce and and succeed uh, as an independent thinker. And she felt that the only way to do that was to really allow her son to have autonomy and to to really strategize things on their own and to really you know challenge traditional norms. Um, now I'm not going to lie, that definitely got me in rough waters at times with her and and with other, uh, you know, principals and teachers and coaches and things of that nature. But, uh, I I wouldn't take it back and I know she wouldn't either. And so her work ethic, um, and her personality, I got a lot from her. And so she's definitely been my mentor. And I guess I'll wrap it all up this way. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I still don't know how I got here. You know, my upbringing was very much about football. And uh, girls, if I'm being honest, there was really no other focus. But um, you know, when my my dad passed away, my sophomore year of of university, that really changed a lot for me, and it, and it, it really put me in a completely different mindset and a completely different focus. And so um, we can dive into that later as far as how I inevitably started these companies and did this great work. But um, but yeah, th- that's my background, man, and where I'm from, and and I wouldn't take it back, and I'm proud of it, and where I am now is due to my you know professional success I was able to move uh, about 45 50 minutes north of Baltimore and I'm in a, I'm in a nice home with my my girlfriend here in in a place called Harford County and I have Bambi in my backyard and there's no trash on the streets there's no sirens there's no nonsense it's it's a really pleasant town and I appreciate that and I embrace that and um and and it's nice to come back home to Baltimore at times and see my mom and watch the football games and Get a little wild with my friends from time to time, but um but yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about me and and and, 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 and who I am and, and, and who made me and why I'm here today.
1: Wonderful reflection, AJ. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh just have a couple follow up questions, if I may, given that reflection. Number one, there's no way I could get any further in this podcast without calling out mom by name. Do you mind sharing your mom's name? With the listeners today I just want to give her one heck of a shout out
0: Yeah her name's Lisa
1: Lisa Hey Lisa thank you uh, For your impact on your son uh, And any mom out there That's grinding For their child uh, Shoot we'll extend this to dad Caregiver, grandparent Who knows man whoever's filling a gap Yeah. For the kids out there man You matter in a really big way So thank you and continue. If you've got to work those multiple shifts, dig deep. Find it within your heart uh, to find a way like Lisa did. Because look at AJ now in this moment with Bambi in the backyard, <laughs> living in a beautiful home outside of Baltimore. Hey, man, um, love what you shared, uh, the work ethic, uh, the fact that mom was in a position to invest significantly and, and grind to help you get to those experiences you wanted to have meaning those camps that cost dollars to develop your athleticism. Um, You know, I I think that it was a really interesting point that your mom decided to give you incredible autonomy. I'm reflecting right now in this moment about my children and my ability to parent. I've got a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old, and I would say if I give my son Bryce autonomy, we might have a snake running in the frickin' kitchen. Um, yeah. We probably aren't going to eat all day, and if we do, it's ice cream and frickin' fruit roll-ups. You know, autonomy is a recipe for disaster for that knucklehead. Uh, but for my daughter, you know, shoot, she might have make the home a better place. Um, so I think that's really interesting that that was one of the ways that your mom decided to lead because I feel like I'm leading in my home with some incredible rigidity. Um, and, and maybe I need to reframe that thought process. So just in this moment, there's some inspiration you're dropping on me. So I thank you for that. Um, I wanna talk just real quickly about football. Um, you know, what was it about football that you just loved, man? And is there any memory of, of playing football that just you always go to when you think about your time as an athlete that you think might be appropriate to share? Uh, because it's a little context, right? Uh, I am an incredible uh, former athlete advocate I'm an incredible veteran advocate. Those are the two circles that I that I just love because I think there's so much that those experiences, meaning playing competitive sport and serving in our military, um, you know, does for our development. So could you share a little about football and its impact on your life?
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, like the traditional things that I'm sure you you guys have heard that are listening, you know, it taught me a lot of, a lot of traits around leadership and it taught me how to work well with the team and it, and it taught me how to endure a lot of physical and mental stress and, and wear and tear and pain that I think, again, is just, uh, you know, life life as as we know it is very stressful and painful at times and so I think football really helped me uh, develop that, that emotional strength and fortitude, if you will. Um, so that was amazing and, and, you know, honestly, I'll be very frank with you, I really was not good at football until halfway through my ninth grade year. You know, growing up playing football, um, I was always uh, afraid of contact for some reason. And I and I grew, you know, and and I you know I'm looking at your picture here, Court. You look like you're a pretty big guy. I'll give you guys a framework of, of, of my size and why I really didn't understand. So, uh, my senior year of high school, going into to, to university, I was uh, about five ten, about two. 224, 225, probably 218, depending on the day and what I ate. So I was a, uh, and I played, I played middle linebacker and I played uh, fullback. So um, I was not a small guy, but for some reason, when I got to high school and, and playing Pop Warner growing up, I was actually not anywhere near the best person on the field. But halfway through ninth grade, once I finally realized uh, my my natural strength and my natural size. And my natural kind of intensity that was somewhere deep inside of me that a lot of coaches brought out of me. That's when it started to click. Because all throughout, you know, growing up playing Pop Warner, I knew the game really well. I was very, I was very intimate around that perspective, but just never really utilized my size to my advantage. Um, but yeah, the the most you know exciting moments that I can remember, um, and you probably know a little bit about this too. Um, in uh, in high school, there's a couple of different tiers of all American a status you can make um nike and under armor have a lot of big things that they're doing today adidas has a big thing um the army actually has a big all-american game as well um and then there's another tier below that that a lot of people actually don't know about that uh is really respected so a lot of the athletes that are your um your 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 all Counties. And your and your all your 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 regional players and some of your all state players that don't make it to that all American level get selected for some tier two all American teams that a lot of people don't know about. And so my senior year, I made uh, all county, I made all state, and then uh, I was actually elected to get flown out to play in the Pro Bowl stadium in Hawaii as a part of a let's look at it let's call it a tier two all American game where. Um, I was a part of the East Coast Division, so I had people on my team from New England all the way down into Florida on my team. Um, and it was, uh, it was a spectacular moment for me to represent that team playing fullback and to get a little bit more eyes and ears on, on, on me and uh, playing against those big boys from Texas and playing against those boys from Nebraska and, and playing against those tall, fast, athletic boys from California and LA and San Diego and um so it was a really nice experience for me and really helped me as I as I uh, got ready for my collegiate career.
1: Man, I, I love it, dude! Thank you so much for sharing that. When I'm hearing from you when you talk about football's impact on your life. It seems to be the incubator for stress and stress tolerance. Which are, you know, and is an element of emotional intelligence. Uh, you talked about leadership and what you've learned there. Uh, I mean, you didn't say this word, but I think that when you reflected on your ninth grade state uh, of being an athlete, there was some incredible self awareness that you experienced, given your size, uh, your talents, your strengths, and then leaning into those to be successful. And, hey, man, I had no idea about your opportunity to travel and play. Uh, in Hawaii in that moment and so I think the last thing I would just share is that what an incredible way to grow in perspective by playing competitive sports and so hey uh, a couple things for the listeners right I mean you can get it done playing a game of football and probably any sport even if you're just starting in the ninth grade I'm another testament I didn't play football to my sophomore season in high school and I went on walked on and played college for four years at the college level uh, you know, earning a scholarship after that sophomore season. So, just a little bit of inspiration now for any athlete that's maybe down on themselves, or for any parent that's that's you know leading and managing an athlete in the home. Just don't quit, y'all. Just keep rolling. So, thanks for sharing that, big dog. Um, let's let's continue here in this conversation and talk a little bit about now uh, your focus professionally. Um, and I want to just go back to, to one of the things I shared in your bio, and it was the description you used when you consider kind of your your ascent into this world and the success that you've had, you know, it's almost like you said, I don't even know how I got here, I think, or some of the words that you used. Um, And you absolutely said, hey, look, my road has been atypical into this focus on human resources and entrepreneurship. Will you just share, AJ, why is that, man? Why do you consider your ascent into this industry as atypical?
0: Uh, it's it's atypical because of of, of, of my traditional back, my non traditional background, and my lack of traditional background. So, um, at the beginning of my sophomore year, or so um, I, I originally attended the D three School of Wesley, and and did well there, and then I and then I transferred over uh to West Virginia and and played there, and so um, prepping for that for that freshman uh, for that sophomore season at West Virginia. Um, is when uh my, my father passed away. Um and so when my when my father passed away I decided to come home and uh in the midst of that there were a lot of things that happened that uh sparked this desire to, to start a business. Um we don't have to go down each and every rabbit hole, but inevitably there were a lot of um a lot of great mentors and a lot of great people in my corner that believed that uh I should do that rather than go back to school. I was—I'll be very frank. I was getting myself into a little bit of trouble. Uh, I was—I uh, was lashing out a bit, and uh, they wanted to keep my—they wanted to keep me busy. They wanted to help help me get into something that was a little bit different. And so, um, with a lot of great partners with Under Armour and a lot of great organizations that were uh, supporting me and supporting my team, uh, we put together an amazing company. And uh, so that's why it's not traditional, man. I—I I went from. You know, just again, a a very below average student um, trying to figure it out in athletics and quickly realized I was not going to the NFL, but was just trying to hold on Um, to my dad passing away to then pretty much within an 18 to 20 month window building a, a respectable business and not having to work a regular job like my other 19, 20-year-old friends, or not having to live at home like a lot of my other friends, and, and really overnight turning into a, a businessman, an entrepreneur, and having to deal with those complexities. And so when I say I'm non-traditional, I'm non-traditional because I still to this day have not finished university. I still to this day am working on some traditional you know, certifications that are in the Leadership or business and entrepreneurship space till to this day I have not dove deep into any traditional norms um, and so that's what I mean by non traditional and then also what I mean is you know I built that company for about eighteen months or two years made a really big leadership mistake that I know we'll inevitably dive into I built a second company at twenty two and ran that for another two and a half years and then I took a completely out-of-the-box pivot and dove deep into employee experience and over the last five years i've been the vp of people for two startups and so again based off of my non-traditional background educationally you know me building these startups at a very ad hoc random out-of-the-box perspective where i never in a million years looked at myself as an entrepreneur now shifting and diving deep into the employee experience world yeah man, it's it's radical, it's different It's not your traditional norm All the people I connect with um, Don't really look or sound like me And uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing And that's just my truth
1: Yeah man, I love it Thanks for sharing your truth Because I think it can serve in this moment As an inspiration to the listeners That there is not a path Right? There is your path And here's another one AJ's and hopefully someone out there who may feel defeated in a moment of being in, you know, college, university, as my man AJ calls it, you know, being in university and then you're not. Hey, maybe think door closed is door opened and and, and try to figure out what is that door that's now opened and try to run through it and draw upon kind of AJ's inspiration here as you listen to how his life has developed. I uh, want to continue a little bit of talk employee experience in this moment because it seems to be that focal point for you at this moment in time. Um, you use the words, put employees first. I got to be honest, man, um, I've, I've worked in some companies where they've had that as their slogan. Um, I've absolutely been in some incredible organizations in my time in Army Special Forces where we didn't use the word employees, but we absolutely would consider our people our most valuable resource. But from a guy who focuses on employee experience, I'm just curious, man, when you say put employees first, what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, man. And that's funny. I was actually just on a call with my partners right before we hopped on here and we were talking about that from a, from a branding and messaging standpoint, um, I, I mean it, I mean it in two different levers. So the first lever I mean, it is, um, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole, but so I'll just jump to the end of the story. Um, my first business, I had a partner that wanted to become a real partner. a financial partner, he was the linchpin to the Under Armour deal and other big deals. He wanted to have a thoughtful one on one, sit down over a nice steak dinner, a nice cocktail, a nice drink, talk about his career and wanted to get some legitimate plans in place to make him a partner. I didn't do that. Company ended because of that when he walked away. And so at a very emotional level, when I say put employees first, what I mean is he actually went through a depressed state for a moment because he felt that he was not valued, he felt that he was not respected, he, he second-guessed his talent, he second-guessed his level of value he was able to bring to the business world at a macro level, and that put him in a dark spot for about six months. That's not good, that is not humane, that is not a good idea. So at an emotional level, it's a good idea to put employees first, Because it's the right thing to do at a human level. It's a good idea to care about individuals' career plans, to care about individuals' perspectives on life from a career professional trajectory perspective, and to dive deep into that and to do whatever you can to help that initiative, because that is connected to their confidence in their perspective of who they are as a human. So that's the emotional part of why I put employees first, because I never want to see anyone deal with that again, yet I have seen it happen so many times since that moment. I wasn't the direct reason of that, but I have seen it happen so many times where I've seen employees depressed, throw up because they have anxiety, throw up because they have horrible moments and stress that is unbearable because their workflow and their design of their roles are nowhere near conducive to the way that they think. So that's the emotional piece of it that companies need to think about. The business piece of it, Court, here's something that cannot be denied. If I made the decision at a business level to keep him on board, I'd be sitting on a $30 to $50 million company right now with six to eight locations. I I have no doubt in my mind. At a business level, it's a good idea to put employees first because at at a very literal level, they are the foundation of whatever you're doing. I don't care if you're Apple. I don't care if you're a little startup like the E1B2 Collective. I don't care if it's if your business court and what you're putting together. I don't know if you have any ancillary uh, people around you that are helping you get off the ground. But there is no way in the world that you can build something substantial in this world with one person. Thus, you're going to need other people. And so at a very literal level, if you don't put those employees first and make sure you're empathetic and make sure you're putting in processes that make sense for who they are and where they want to be long-term. If you don't do that, and inevitably people are less productive because of that or people decide to walk away from the brand, you may not have a brand at a very literal level. So at a business level, it makes a lot of sense too um, because that is the literal foundation of an organization. Um, You'd be surprised how many organizations try to debate me and try to second-guess that perspective so uh, those are my two examples and explanations and definitions of why employees need to go come first.
1: Hey man, I appreciate it. And if I could just brief you back what I'm hearing from you, when you say the words, put your employees first, you categorize that into two areas. One, there's an emotional up for you, which is just this idea of having people feel cared for. You use the word valued. Uh, as you went through that reflection of that of that person that ended up not joining you as a partner. And that you just said it's a, it's a return to kind of the humanistic um, desire that you argue as part of everyone, um, which is about caring for others. And then you have this business level, which is just arguing, hey, no matter what you do, it takes a human body as part of your team to do those things. And because of that, it's important. Now you, now, you did a much better job of framing the reasons for all that, but that's kind of what I heard from you. Um, is that somewhat accurate on
0: No, that's completely accurate,
1: brother. Okay, cool. Um, you know, I'd be really curious, um, you know, as we continue this conversation, you know, what does that mean in practice, right? Like, how do you do that? Um, so, you know, maybe something there to think about, and if there's a way to comment on that as we move forward. Uh, please share. And that might be part of what you're talking about with the E1B2 collective um, and how you're serving others. But before we jump into that, uh, I, was, I was checking out your website, and I saw this incredible kind of statement or line of effort that you have, or I don't know, maybe it's uh, a bit of a tagline or a slogan. Shoot, Man, I don't know. But I want to know, what the heck is Monday Anticipation?
0: Yeah, I can talk to you about that. That's interesting that you brought that up. Um, not too many people talk about that. So Monday Anticipation is, is, a, is a mindset. It's an energy. It's a company that holds two services, really one for right now. Let me focus on that one. Uh, the one services is a brand, a company, an initiative called Beyond Brand Studios. So, but let me start with focus on Monday Anticipation. Monday anticipation for me is really simple. Every single employee in the world deserves the excitement, the feeling, the calmness, the 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 meditative state of looking forward to Monday on a Sunday evening. Like they deserve that. Your your kids when they become Employees inevitably never be one day or maybe not. Maybe they'll be entrepreneurs. They deserve that. If you ever, for whatever reason, decide to go get a job, you deserve that. Your wife deserves that. Your dad, your mother, your family members, your brother, your sister, if you have them, they deserve that. Everyone deserves to anticipate and get excited for Monday whether it's because they love their job role and the workflow and the way it's designed, whether they're looking forward to the learning and development plans that this company is putting in place for them, whether they love it because they're being paid well and being paid in, in, in accordance and connected to what they actually need to live, whether it's because they love their managers, whether it's because they love the office environment, whether it's because of a number of other things that I can go into. Everyone deserves that right. And not everyone has that. You have no idea of how many people literally hate waking up the next day to go to work. And not because they're going to Chick-fil-A or going to Burger King or going to work for a moving company or going to clean toilets of all these things that people tend to think are the reasons why people hate their jobs. It has in most scenarios, it's not just the work that they're doing that they maybe don't like. It's the people they're working with. It's the managers. It's the lack of decision-making. It's the way the companies handle change management. It's the lack of internal communications. It's the lack of the operations that are, that are inevitably connected to their experience. And so Monday anticipation is the energy, is the brand of it. And then, uh, so think of it like Nike, right? Nike is not just Nike. Nike is an energy. Nike is a movement. Nike is an aura. So that's kind of what we were going for. And then Beyond Brand Studios is an actual initiative, a company that is underneath of that of that energy.
1: Love it, man. So as as I'm listening to you here, a couple of thoughts are showing up for me so I can best understand. Monday anticipation is a mindset. Is that fair? It is. And my question is because I'm trying to put myself and walk in the shoes. Is it a mindset that you encourage the individual has to embrace? And let me build out why I think that. Or is it a mindset that the company has to embrace? Meaning I have to create a culture within my company so that people experience Monday anticipation. So let me just let you marinate that for a second because when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, I mean, this is no shit story. Um, my first job after retirement from the Army was at a company called Teamworks Innovations Incorporated out of Durham, North Carolina. I lived in Hope Mills, North Carolina. It was a 100-mile commute up Interstate 95 and Interstate 40 from my home into Durham, North Carolina. Now, for a guy living in Baltimore, you might say you get no sympathy from me, brother. I know all about the commutes in that area. But for me, that was a challenge, been 100 miles. And I I would go in early and I would park in the Durham YMCA and get a morning workout before work. And I remember in this moment, I called a close friend of mine. His name was John Frazier. This man was 74 years old. We had just attended George Mason University's Leadership Coaching for Organizational Wellbeing five-month program together, a cohort experience, and John and I had become close friends. He was like the old freaking wise dude, man, and and we maintained connection together because that's how networking works. You know this well, AJ. Mm -hmm. And so I called up John and John called me Monday morning, and John said, How you doing, Court? I said, Man, it sucks. It's Monday. Right?
0: Yeah, it sucks.
1: It's Monday. You know what John told me? He said, Why? He said, Change it, man. And I said, Well, because it's not Friday. He said, Court, you have the opportunity to choose, man. Why does Monday suck? Right? So what John was doing, he's invoking in me to shift in my mindset. And so the reason why this story is so vivid for me is because that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I decided that, you know what? I can control my behavior and my outlook on my experience as an employee. And I began to unpack the reason why that was. Um, and so you know, I think that there's, there, there's a flavor of this Monday anticipation that I think is on me as the employee. And that's why I was curious because I also, as you built out the way you explained it, I felt like it was something that, that was on the business to solve for. And so yeah. any thoughts, man, as a follow-up to my reflection there as I listen to this story about Monday anticipation? Now, let me just close it up by saying this. I absolutely have been part of companies. That company, Teamworks Innovations, people love working there. Right. And it was for a number of reasons. It's because of the permanent time off that they give. It was because of the people that were in that company. Right. There was a great culture and a great vibe and they were making good money. The company was doing incredible work. You know, and, and what I'm showing up here for you is that my work as a leadership coach, I help people make good decisions grounded in decision making criteria if your life sucks and you, you don't have Monday anticipation, well, guess what? You get the chance to choose to change.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for the, some folks are thinking right now, man, I've never experienced Monday anticipation. I may say, and AJ may say too, well, it's time for change then. And why not change? So, you know, just, just, just kind of added my reflection and perspective in what you're saying. Does that move you to comment at all, my man? And I know we're just ripping Is this that- from the fly. So if you got nothing, that's okay. But that's kind of the things I was thinking as I listened to you. thoughts at all.
0: No, it does. That's that's beautiful how you broke it down. It does. So I was actually like taking my fingers and like doing like a flip sign because I look at it from both ways, so I flip it, right? So I broke down I, I broke down the responsibility on the brand. I broke that down. So let me talk about the other side of Monday anticipation and something that me and my partners have tried to pull off but I wasn't too interested in the business model of it um, because uh, there's a lot of hard work to do. Like, we'll, we'll get into that another day. Um, you probably maybe can give me some tips offline about how to maybe go about this business model, but the other re- flipped reverse uh, perspective and energy of Monday anticipation is exactly what you were saying. This is what I would say to an employee, right? If you are not happy, and not excited about getting up Monday morning to go into work. And I can go through a lot of other reasons of why you're not happy. Again, maybe it's because you're not paid well. Maybe it's because you don't have autonomy. Maybe it's because of their issues with diversity and inclusion and what's happening right now you don't like what they stand for. Maybe it's because of their employee life cycle and the way it's, it's structured. Maybe you don't have an IDP plan, an individual development plan, um, and an and and outline of what your next two promotions are going to look like and what you need to do to get those new two, next two promotions, whatever it's going to be. Whatever those reasons are, number one, Monday Anticipation, the company, the brand, the energy, we want to educate you on what you deserve. You deserve a company to put an IDP plan together. You deserve a company that's going to have a very thoughtful one-on-one at least every 30 days. You deserve a company that's going to put Pulse, Pulse interviews in place for you. You deserve a company that's going to allow you to have cross-functional work and design so that you can get experiences in all different types of atmospheres in the company. So that if out of the blue, you want to make a complete pivot from operations to being in the marketing and having a marketing role, you can. You deserve a company that allows you to have autonomy around decision-making processes and, and different frameworks and change management and things of that nature. You deserve to know what the hell I'm even talking about. And court, you would be so surprised how many employees have no freaking idea what I'm talking about. My girlfriend to this day, the only reason she knows what I'm talking about is because she hears me on these rants every single day of the week. No employee that I know at a very personal, just regular employee walking, walking around in life right now, whether it's at a marketing agency or they have a regular corporate job or Chick-fil-A or a moving company, they have no idea of any of these buzzwords and what they actually mean operationally. So the first thing is we want to educate employees around what these things are and let you guys know on the record right now, on this amazing podcast, you deserve to know what those things are. You deserve a company that will do these things for you. And if you do not have the inside of your company, you can have two decisions you can make. Number one, you can ask yourself, do those things sound interesting and do I want to experience that? In most cases, in most scenarios, the answer is going to be yes The next thing you can do is you can go and ask your leaders, ask your company, why aren't you doing these things? Can you do some of these things? I heard about this on this amazing podcast. I would love to be a part of this type of atmosphere. Is this something you guys are thinking about? Can you let me get a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes? So that's first step. The second step is if that's not going to happen and if you have those conversations, you realize nothing is going to happen there to your point court, to your point court, You can move on. You can find the atmospheres, find the companies, find the people, find the organizations that are going to allow you to anticipate and appreciate Monday. It's about having, honestly, you said we can get a little bit, you know, a little bit crazy on this podcast. It's about having the balls. It's about having the respect. It's about having the confidence. It's about having clarity within yourself of what you deserve, of what what you need in life. And, and, and in my opinion, anticipating and appreciating, looking forward to Monday is a good idea for your mental health. It's a good idea for your wife, for your husband, for your kids to set a great example, to come home every day in a good mood. It's a good idea. And so it's much more than just what the company needs to do. It's also an, a motivation and an educational tool that we want to embrace for the employee um and again we haven't dove too deep into that business model because frankly um my work and my background has been so good around building relationships with companies and organizations and i haven't done a great job of building out communications to the mass media the mass market So an everyday person around whether it's like leadership coaching like you or career coaching and things of that nature but uh i, I we probably need to get into that area um to, to kind of uh, actually activate this energy, this little rant I just gave you. But that's the other side of this of this business model that excites us and something we believe in.
1: Yeah, man, coming out of a guy that worked in a startup, um, you know, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I absolutely can, can see how that can fit from a consultative perspective on, if you're a company that wants to have Monday anticipation for your employee base, come have a chat with AJ because a lot of those things that you listed off, the, the monthly one-on-ones that people deserve, the exposure cross functional within the company that people deserve, the IDP that people deserve, you're right. People do deserve those things. Um, so I have a lot of clarity now on what you're talking about, and I guarantee that listeners do too. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, I want to continue here, man, and really just go in this moment – to get some insight to another project you're working on um, that I think is related absolutely to what you just shared Um, and it is what I did in your bio uh, introducing the E1B2 Collective. So can you just talk about what's the mission of this organization and how do you intend for this company to serve others in your work?
0: Yeah, so this is the biggest project we're working on right now and honestly what's taking up most of our time. So I'll give you, and this is, this is a very simple model. When I say collective, what I mean by that is me and my partners and then a big unit of other practitioner and leaders, we all have individual skill sets, individual focuses in the world of leadership, HR, at a very deep level that we all bring to the table. And so as a unit of five, six, seven of us, we want to go into a startup, a small business, 50 to 250, 300 employees, and we want to say to them, hey guys, you're 50, 60, 70 people right now, you have been doing bare bones HR, let me explain what that is, you've been doing bare bones, traditional, you know, like, let's call it what it is, BS onboarding, you have been following the laws in your state and making sure people are paid correctly. You have paid taxes right. You are following compliance laws. You've been doing the bare bones of HR. You've been legally running a company and hiring people and, and working with them. You have not looked into your decision-making structures. You have not looking into meeting the structures and design. You have not thought about cross-functional design. You have not put in you know IDP plan development and structures. You have not looked into your onboarding processes and making it completely empathetic to your employees. You have not put in new hire orientation structures and formats that are completely empathetic and and transformative for your employees. You have not looked into your recruiting structures. You have not looked into your rewards and recognition processes, your compensation strategies and design that are more empathetic and realistic based off of what your people actually need. You have not thought about the strategic HR stuff which is really called a VP of people. So typically, 70, 80, 90 people into a startup court, they start to try to find that person to start running these initiatives that I just listed off. What we're saying is, hey, do not hire that one person to tackle these big, big, big buckets, right? Hire us, hire the collective to come in for six to nine months, and we will build out the frameworks, the tech, the tools, the methodologies, the education, we will build out the division for you. And then when you finally plug in that person, they will now have a division and a framework already built out. I think of it like a home that is furnished, right? They can now go in and live in the home. They can now go in and do nice things and be productive and live and start to plug people in. They don't have to do the hard work of trying to be an HR practitioner and build out a diversity and inclusion strategy and build out a um, a learning and development structure and build out management plan, you know, management and performance management. They don't have to worry about those things at the same time, right? It's very difficult to do that. So we want to help these startup companies and and these small businesses do that. And we do it through the lens of putting employees first. So everything we do is around asking the single most important question. What would the employee want to experience out of these very operational things that we focus on? What would be the most optimal, amazing experience for the employee that are going to make that employee most productive, most, you know, happy, you know, uh, you know, emotionally invested? Thus, it's going to be connected to the business making more money because the employees are doing a much better job because it's geared around Um, their productivity, and you've suffocated all excuses for an employee not to be successful. And if they are not successful, then it's on the employee, right? Don't get it twisted here, Court. There's a lot of accountability that we need to have on behalf of the employee. There are bad employees out there, but we want to make it so hard. We want to suffocate the excuses. And so um, that's the business model. That's what I'm really most excited about. It's a very white-glove approach. I'll be very honest, it's an expensive approach, but it's something that I think is worth it um, because it will prepare you for the next 10 years of building your company the right way from your people operations.
1: Yeah, man, I, I, I love this because, and let me tell you why, um, what great clarity you just painted for me in this picture. And, and the reason why I'm so excited about what you just shared with me is because I've lived this. So for my listeners in the military, They're like, what the heck is he talking about? Like, Because you have a human resource command that's got incredible structure and more red tape you could ever dream up. Some of this stuff is kind of like, ah, what's this guy AJ talking about? For my listeners that are working in the Googles and the Amazons, you do not have this problem. You have a well-developed system uh, that provides that human resources, that experience for the people, that's time-tested. Of course, everything can go from good to great, but, but the E1B2 Collective is likely not for you. Let me tell you who the E1B2 Collective is. And, of course, I'm inviting AJ to freaking slap me up here if I'm wrong. But it's for the guy like me who was the 41st hire into a startup company that began as a salesman. And when I came in as a salesman, I had a two-day onboarding from the VP of sales. And that was it. And then I said, go work. Right? And, and you know it also that did not have an annual performance review there, and and coming out of the army you absolutely had an annual performance review i mean the e1b2 collective is for people that are experiencing that and if you're a president of a company right now and you're five people strong and you don't want to invest a hundred thousand dollars in a salary for the vp of people the e1b2 collective is for you and guess what I went from selling software in this tech startup to becoming the first leadership coach for this company. And you know who I worked for and reported to the CFO. And that's not atypical because, because the CFO in some cases is that person in the startup world. Cause you got to have the CFO to grow that begins to take on the additional duties that a traditional HR person would take on. We had one HR person in the company. And then I experienced that after about a year, the hiring of a VP of people and culture. That's what we gave the title to when we began that hiring process. And that's a C-suite position, y'all. That salary, uh, you know, arguably is at least 100 plus, probably upwards of two in some cases. And so I don't know what an eight-month consulting relationship works with, you you know, from my man here, AJ, but if you're considering... Not wanting to bite off that much in your startup. Give my man a call and see how he can help you as you build out your incredible company. Thoughts, man. Did I do a good job or did I miss on where I thought listening to you that you would not be too collective fits in well?
0: No, you did an amazing job and, and I give you credit and then I'll you know, I'll give myself some credit too because I'll be very honest with you, in the beginning of this idea, which was really on the backs of COVID nineteen, I mean, this was this. The idea of it came the week that I actually got furloughed. The week I actually got furloughed was the I, was the second the idea hit my brain. So between that moment and now, I spun out all of these things. I built partnerships with sixteen different people, and so I've been working really hard. And throughout that entire time, I've been trying to make sure the messaging and the clarity of what I'm actually trying to do. Is uh, exactly how you delivered it. So thank you to you. Thank you to me. That means I did a decent enough job of explaining the pain points and what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, and from a business perspective, right? You just got to find the right price point, my man, on how you sell that consultative relationship. And it's got to make it's got to make sense. It's got to make dollars. And I don't mean that for you from an income perspective. I mean for the company you're selling it yeah. to. Your value prop is don't hire the person, hire us, and we're going to save you X amount of money on that salary, in my opinion. So you don't need to hear that from me. You already knew that. I'm just doubling down. Hey, man, let's continue here together. A couple more questions that I'd love to hit on. Um, I see that you do some keynote speaking um, and what you call fireside chats as part of something called Project 2030. Can you just share a little bit about that work and the purpose?
0: What is Project Twenty Thirty, man? I love I love how prepared you are, man. This is great. You're running you're running through the entire gamut of the projects we're working on. So, um, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, startup advising and speaking has been something that I do ad hoc, right? Um, uh, you know, I have a really big speaking event coming up here soon. Got a couple other things in in the in the, uh, uh, in the holster here that I'm that I'm working on. So it's it's not something that I spend a lot of time doing. But Project 2030 is a little bit different than a lot of the experiences I just talked about that are a little bit more ad hoc. Project 2030 is a very intentional initiative that I started about a year ago. And for us, it's about getting the next generation of people leaders ready. That can be managers, that can be inevitable executives, that can be HR leaders. And so what we like to do is we like to go to business schools um, you know, management track programs inside of universities, as well as HR programs inside of universities. You know, just to name drop a few, just to make sure you guys understand, you know, this is legitimate here. You know, Maryland University, Texas State, Texas A&M. We got something going on at John Hopkins uh, towards the back end of the year here. Um, uh, what else? LSU, uh, a couple other schools that, 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 that we'll leave off there. And our entire Mission and plan has been to prepare these individuals, these young, brilliant minds, these 19 year olds, these 21 year olds, these, these, these 20 year olds, getting them prepared to understand the aspects of leadership and employee experience at a very operational level that we talk about. So we dive into all the things that we've talked about on this podcast today and so much more in a fireside chat, organic Q&A format. So not your traditional keynote where they're listening to me for 45 minutes, just go on and rant. This is a very keynote. I mean, this is a very Q&A fireside chat environment. And so the, the format is we actually have the students come up with questions prior. So they have 15, 20, 30 questions prior. And we have about 90 minutes to go through each and every question, answer questions ad hoc on the spot go into little rabbit holes. And our goal is to be able to provide as much value to the next generation of leaders. And uh, I'll drop a little bit of a, a, I guess, a messaging to my future self here. My goal, honestly, with this is to move this from ad hoc, and these are free, by the way, Court, free Q&A, fireside chat moments at very respected universities that are more of a resume builder and a credibility builder for our company, so I want to start moving them into like, you know, adjunct like um, programs that we try to make legitimate partnerships at the university level. Actually, Corey, you may be able to give me some advice on this. I believe you told me that you have actually built out a partnership with the university near you where you're coming in and doing some work. If, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But that's the hope is the hope is that we can put together a six week program where we put them through the E1B2 machine, if you will, around managers, around management, around being an HR executive, around being a founder and a CEO. And we want to kind of give them a little bit of a taste uh, at a six-week level of what it looks like and put some frameworks in place, put some methodologies in place, get them thinking about what it really means to, to, to conduct an E1B2 kind of framework as a leader. Um, so that's the big goal. Uh, but we need to get a couple more under our belt, but a couple more relationships internally, and then we'll start to try to activate that uh, that next level of engagements.
1: Yeah, AJ, I love it, man. I think it can be really valuable. A couple things since you opened the door for me to just share some thoughts that might be useful. Number one, nothing's free, bro. I would strike that word from your vocabulary. You might be able to roll out pro bono, and I would encourage you to use that. In there it the future is, because. When you say pro bono, the listener is automatically saying to themselves, this is valuable and AJ values this, but for this particular client, I'm going to do it for you out of the kindness and generosity of my heart. Um, so brother, nothing you do is free in my opinion. Appreciate I know that. one of these days, my man, can we get for free? Um, so I, just, I would just share that as a business model. I would say that I would encourage you, I'm challenging you in this moment, in 2021, don't do anything else pro bono. You just listed some signature clients, man, that you're working with. It's, it's probably time to monetize this thing, big dog. So that was the second thing that I would say, and yes, am I working in the university space? Absolutely, I'm an executive coach for uh, what we call executive MBA students. For an incredible organization called the Washington University Bauer Leadership Center, Olin School of Business. Uh, That's a mouthful, y'all. But uh, yeah, man, um, maybe have some thoughts uh, or some introductions I can make to help you move that forward. So there you go. There's my brief back and sharing out, given what you talked about. Um, Hey, man, a couple other things I want to hit on here um, as part of the stuff that you're involved with. There, there's this there's this stuff on your website about startup EX man. Anything you want to share about what that is and how that's serving?
0: Startup EX is is, is up the same road of the E1b2 collective so it's the same kind of energy. I just we just broke it down a little bit more micro on the website. Um, uh-huh. But to add a little bit just, just a 12 second little more context on that, um, we also offer uh, incubators and advisory, type relationship. So I'll start with the advisory relationship. Uh, think of it like a bat phone, right? So you're a company, I don't know, seven employees, 15 employees, 25 employees, and financially and team size wise, you're just not in the position right now to invest in um, the inevitable big, big ticket item of us coming in over a six to nine month engagement. Um, we want to be there for you one time a month, two times a month in the kind of the bat phone business where there's a problem, there's something you want to think through. We'll be there with you for 90 minutes to work through a problem, to think about something, to give you, again, that E1B2 injection of a perspective from a framework perspective. Um, and then the incubator, we want to run startup companies through a three to six week transformative program where we take them from having, No processes, no frameworks, no tools in place to when they leave having some bare bones tools, methodologies, frameworks in place to start to build off of and uh, and then hopefully kind of roll them over into the biggest service that we have. Um, But we kind of want to just throw them through the mill and run them through uh, a really intensive uh, program. Wonderful, man.
1: So.
0: Hey guys, I'm really, really sorry about the cutoff. This was an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Court. And I will uh, do my best to try to find the actual link of this episode, plug it in the show notes. But again, thank you, Court. Thank you to all that have listened to every single episode of the E1B2 podcast. I'm incredibly proud of it. I'm incredibly thankful. This interview probably was the best interview that I've ever had. Just wanted to kind of share it with you guys, give it a little bit of insight. Again, I appreciate you listening. apologize for the cutoff. We'll talk soon.